Welcome back to 21 Steps, an audiobook podcast by M. A. Box. Chapter 7, August 13th. Charlie had a full agenda planned for the day. He had appointments to talk with both Derek and Leslie's parents. If needed, he even had time set aside to talk to Derek again, although he didn't think that was very likely. He was still waiting on the medical records to be sent over, and he knew he had to turn over every leaf before he could close the case and sleep at night. He had spent all morning writing down questions he was going to ask the family, like, when did Derek leave that night? Or for her parents, did she ever show signs of intense sadness or depression? In this day and age, Charlie knew all too well that you had to be careful what you asked people. If they were offended even a little bit, you could get yourself into hot water. Charlie's stomach began to rumble, and he realized that he hadn't eaten yet. There was a sandwich shop just across the street, and he decided he could go and eat and be back in time to meet with the Cook family. Not to mention, he could use some fresh air and a little sunshine. His small office would get stifling if he was there for too long. He walked across the street to a small building with large glass windows in the front. The building was white and had recently been painted with a dark green trim. Charlie opened the door into the sandwich shop and heard the familiar ringing of a bell that was tied at the top of the door to alert the owners, who were often in the back, of anyone coming in during slower times. The scent of Italian dressing filled his nose. It smelled wonderful. "'I'll take the usual, Leo,' Charlie said. "'You got it. Coming right up,' said the pudgy man standing behind the counter, wearing a white apron covered in stains. Charlie sat down at the diner-style booth in the corner of the deli, He picked up a newspaper that had been left by the last patron there. The front page was dedicated to advertising for the county fair coming up over the weekend. Great, Charlie thought. I get to try to sort out a bunch of drunken brawls and try not to get hit in the process. Charlie quickly turned the page. He didn't think the county fair was very exciting, but being in his position, he could never admit that. He always had to show his excitement and support for any city or county events. You're up, Charlie, said the man behind the counter. I hope you enjoy it he said with a laugh which made his round, red cheeks bounce up and down. Charlie took his sandwich and sat back down at the table. He unwrapped an Italian sub piled high with meat and calories, he assumed. Leo, you make the best sandwich, Charlie said with a mouthful. He went back to reading the paper, realizing that in such a small town there really wasn't a lot of excitement to share, but it kept his mind occupied on something other than the fact that he was again eating lunch alone. He finished his sandwich and leaned back against the back of the seat. He took a deep breath and a minute to himself before returning to the station and the rat race. After lunch, Charlie headed back to the station. He was expecting the arrival of the Cook family any minute. He had just sat down at his desk piled with papers when the receptionist buzzed him to inform him that the Cooks were in the lobby. He met Sam and Darlene Cook at the front desk. The Cook family had lived in Hanover for a number of years, but Charlie didn't remember ever meeting them. Mr. Cook was a large man who appeared to be in very good health. He towered above Charlie, but had a presence about him that felt very kind. He was balding on the top of his head, and had brown and gray highlights just above his ears. His wife was small and had the same body shape and size as their daughter Leslie. She had brown curly hair to her shoulders and had a very polite smile, although their recent loss was evident on her face. They both appeared to be very healthy and active. He imagined them sitting down at the table each night together to eat grilled chicken salads and vegetables. This made Charlie think of the sandwich he had just devoured and reminded himself to put in a mint when he returned to the office. Right this way, Charlie said, and led them back to his office. He sat down behind his desk and, embarrassed by the mess, mentally vowed to clean the place up. 
He rarely had visitors, but on the occasion that he did, he really wanted the place to look more professional. Thank you for coming down here today to talk to me. I really do appreciate your time, and I understand how difficult this must be for you, he said to them as he grabbed the mint out of the top drawer and put it into his mouth. We like to help any way that we can, but I don't understand why we are still being asked questions. Is there something suspicious about the way our daughter died, Sam said? Right now, sir, there is not. But in any case, where we have an unexplained death, I have to make sure that I do my job and cover all of the bases. This really shouldn't take too long. I just wanted to learn a little more about Leslie, especially her medical and mental health history. Were you aware of any illness that Leslie had? She had the basic things that everyone else had. She got the flu a few times and a cold every now and then. She had allergies, but nothing serious, Sam said. What kind of allergies? Just basic hay fever, no medications or anything, nothing really major. Had she complained of anything else recently, like depression or anxiety? Our daughter was not depressed. She was very happy and a great mother, Sam said with some animosity in his voice. I understand. I know she was a good mother. I didn't mean for that question to imply otherwise. These are just routine questions, sir. Did she mention any difficulties between her and Derek? No, they seem to be getting along just fine. They were happy together. I know Derek had some issues in the past as a result of his time over in Iraq, but nothing that would put Leslie at risk. He would never harm her. What do you mean when you say Derek had issues? All I know is that Derek saw a counselor a few times and they were trying to get the insurance figured out so he could see a new doctor and maybe get on some medication, have counseling, you know, stuff like that. I think he had post-traumatic stress disorder, Sam said. Charlie began scribbling notes very quickly. This may relate to what happened that night, and it may be important. Had he ever hurt Leslie, mistreated her, or caused problems for her in the past? Not that we knew of. Leslie was very private in her personal life. I really think they were very happy together. She always looked so filled with joy. She loved her life as a wife and a mother. It was very hard on her when Derek was in Iraq, but that was the only time we saw her down. Was this something important? Could it be connected to what happened that night? You don't think that Derek hurt our Leslie, do you? Again, sir, these are just routine questions. There is nothing to lead us in that direction. I am just gathering their background information, sir. I just have to ask the questions. Charlie paused, looking into their faces and making sure they understood his intentions. They seemed to, so he continued. Did Leslie talk to you on the day that she died? No, we haven't talked to her for a couple of days. We have been on a cruise in the Bahamas and gotten back the day after she died. We didn't even get the call until we got back. A tear trickled down Sam's cheek, and Charlie saw him squeeze his wife's hand, who was also crying. How did Derek and Leslie meet? They were high school sweethearts. We moved here when Leslie was in high school, and Derek was the first and only person that she dated. Anything more you can think of that might be out of the ordinary or worth me knowing? No, she was a really good person. What did you think of Derek? He was really good, too. He was really good for Leslie. He made her very happy. They were good together. That is all of the questions that I have for you right now. I may contact you later if I need anything. Here is my card. If you think of anything that may shed some light on your daughter's death, please contact me. It was important to leave the interview with an opening for him to come back and ask more questions, or for them to bring information forward to him. This was part of his secret to success, learned long ago in the police academy and followed faithfully by him. If you asked questions later without having them prepared for it, they always jumped to the worst possible conclusion, overreacted, claimed foul play, and went straight to the media. 
it was never a good thing. Charlie handed the card to Sam and shook both of their hands. He walked them to the front desk and opened the door. They exited the building hand in hand. Charlie thought that they must have a great relationship. He hoped that the loss of their daughter wouldn't put too much stress on it. He remembered how Anne's parents had gotten a divorce shortly after she had passed away. Charlie didn't keep in touch with them anymore. It was just too hard. He hoped that the cooks could make it. Charlie sat back down at his desk and studied his notes. Post-traumatic stress disorder jumped out of the page. Charlie hadn't been aware that Derek had suffered from any mental condition as a result of his time served in the military. He made a note that he needed to ask Derek for more details, and another note that he needed to put a rush on the medical records of both Leslie and Derek. Charlie leaned back in his chair and interlaced his fingers behind his head. His mind wandered and he thought, what would he give right now for a shot of whiskey? He longed to feel the burn as it traveled down his throat and into his stomach. He knew after today he would definitely be stopping at the local tavern for a drink. He convinced himself in his mind that it was okay. He would stop at two, as promised, but he knew deep down he never stopped at two drinks. He wondered what his life would be like now if he still had Anne. Definitely not like this. He looked around his office where he felt that he spent most of his time. Sometimes he wondered why he even had another place to live. It felt like a waste of money sometimes. When he first started with the police force, he couldn't wait to become a detective. He looked at detectives with such respect back then. They had the job he coveted. They got to walk around like hot shots, solve all of the crimes, and they didn't even have to wear a uniform. He couldn't wait to become a detective. That is, until he finally did. Shortly after promoting to the detective position, Charlie did just what he was doing now, sat back in his chair, looked at his office, and wondered why the hell he was even there. The walls in the office were institutional white with standard white ceiling tiles. Last winter, a pipe burst in the ceiling, and he still had the brown spot on the corner ceiling tile that stained all the way down the wall in the corner. He remembered that day well. He came into work to find paperwork he had just completed, ruined by the water from the ceiling. There was a cork bulletin board on one wall that had newspaper articles, a picture of him with the chief of police and other random pieces of police memorabilia that were left behind by the detective before him. He sighed. He really didn't have the motivation, nor the time, to change things in the office, especially with all of the other work that he had on his plate. A loud buzz came from his phone, interrupting his thoughts. It was followed by a young woman's voice. Detective Parker... Mr. and Mrs. Sterling are here to see you. Charlie sat up in his chair and prepared himself for the next interview. He knew he would have to be very careful with how he worded the questions, especially about post-traumatic stress disorder. He didn't want the Sterlings to think that he was questioning whether Derek had hurt Leslie, especially now. He wasn't even sure there was anything to be concerned about. He wished that he would have known about the PTSD before and done his research to be prepared before the Sterlings arrived. Now he would have to be creative and just wing it. He was pretty good at that. In fact, that is probably how he became a detective in the first place. Interviewing was his art. Charlie walked again to the front desk where he met Mr. and Mrs. Sterling. Hello, thank you so much for taking the time to come down here and meet me, Charlie said. He was talking to a man about his same size. He was smaller, much smaller than Mr. Cook but he also looked like he was very healthy and cared about what he ate. He had a full head of brown hair and was wearing glasses. 
His wife was slightly smaller than he was and also healthy. She had blonde hair pulled back into a ponytail and was wearing bright red lipstick. She smiled and Charlie knew why Mr. Sterling was with her. She was radiant, in a fake, plastic, made-up, stay-young kind of way. Come with me, Charlie said, and led them back into his office. Charlie sat down behind his desk and asked that the Sterlings take a seat across from him. I am so sorry to have to bring you in here today. I just have a few routine questions to ask you. First, why don't you just tell me about the night that Leslie died? What happened? Joe started talking. Derek came with Patrick and Tyler to visit us that day. He said Leslie wasn't feeling well, so she stayed home. He got there that morning and then left our house around five at night. He called us around midnight asking us to come and help him with the kids. When we got there, we took the boys to a hotel. That is really all that happened, as far as we know. Charlie thought it was funny that in both cases the men had spoken and not the women. Is that what happens when you get married? The husband gets rights to speak first? He thought that was odd. Okay, Charlie said, so Derek came with the two boys for the day and left to go home around five at night. Is that correct? Yes, that is. How long does it take to drive from your house to Derek's? About three hours, give or take a few, depending on the weather. Did Derek go anywhere before he went home? I think he said he may take the kids to a movie, but I didn't really ask after that. It wasn't really important after all that had happened. I understand. Tell me a little about Derek. What kind of relationship did he have with Leslie? Derek and Leslie were very happy. We didn't hear anything about them having any problems. They really seemed to be doing well. Besides Leslie being sick that day, did Derek tell you anything else about Leslie not feeling well or feeling down? No, we didn't hear anything. Mostly we talk about the kids now, though, so I don't know if he would have said anything if there was an issue. What about Derek? Did he have any illnesses? No, Derek was very healthy. He gets down sometimes, but not sick. What do you mean he gets down? Well, Derek suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder. He went to fight the war in Iraq, and since returning then, he has had a few problems. He has been to counselors, and I know he was working on getting a new doctor to try some different medications. But overall, I think he is doing okay. He has had a few issues because of it, but nothing that would ever hurt Leslie. What do you mean by issues? Well, Derek drank quite a bit when he first came home. I think he may have gotten a ticket that had something to do with that, but I don't really know what. You may have to ask him about it. Did Derek ever show signs of anger toward Leslie? Oh, I'm sure they had their arguments, but Derek would never hurt Leslie. He was a good husband. Do you think he may have hurt her? Is that what this is all about? These are just routine questions that I have to ask when an unexplained death occurs. I have to make sure that I follow through on my part and ask all the important questions. Just covering all of the bases, okay? How did Leslie and Derek meet? She moved here when he was in high school. They became really good friends and just stayed together after that. They had Patrick a few years later and got married when he was two. Then they had Tyler. They are great parents and great kids. Is there anything that you think I should know about Derek or Leslie that I haven't already asked? I really don't know what you're looking for here, but Derek has had a rough time. He lost his mother at a young age, and now Leslie. Please try to be careful where he is concerned. He has gone through a lot. When did he lose his mother? When he was about eight. It was a tough situation. His mother wasn't very stable. And when did you remarry? When Derek first got started in high school, 
He may have even been in middle school. I think he was 13 or so. Okay, well, thank you so very much for your time. I may have some more questions for you at some point. Here is my card. If you think of anything else, please call, okay? Thank you, Detective Joe said. Charlie led them to the front of the office and opened the door. Just then, Charlie thought of something else he needed to ask. Joe, sorry, one more question. Do you know if Derek was taking any medications for his post-traumatic stress disorder? I know he had tried some in the past, but I don't think he was consistently prescribed them. I know they were really expensive and hard for them to afford, and I don't think they were really helping. You may have to ask Derek. Thanks again. Charlie walked back to his office, processing the information that he had just received. There was definitely more to the story than what he was getting, and he knew the only place he could go to get that information was Derek. He sat down at his desk and pulled out the information sheet on Derek that had his contact phone number. He pressed speaker on the phone and dialed the number. The sound of a ringing phone filled the room, followed by a quiet, sad voice. Hello, Derek said. Is this Derek? Charlie asked. It is. How can I help you? This is Detective Parker. I am so sorry to have to bother you, but I have a few more questions for you. Would you be able to come in today or tomorrow and talk to me? I can come by tomorrow. What time would you like me to be there? Let's go with 1 p.m. Will that work? Yeah, okay. That will give me time to get the kids to my parents. I will see you tomorrow. Thanks. Charlie was thankful. He was pleased that it would be tomorrow instead of today. He was ready to get out of here. A click sounded on the other end of the line, and light above the speaker button went dark. Charlie thought it was strange that Derek didn't ask why he needed to come back in, or what information the detective needed, but he had just agreed to come. It would give Derek time to get his kids to his parents, and it would give Charlie time to research post-traumatic stress disorder. Eager for the day to end, he stood up, grabbed the suit jacket from the back of the chair, and scribbled PTSD on a pad on his desk to remind him to research it in the morning. He draped his jacket over his arm as he headed out of his office. He shut off the light and stood for a second reflecting on the day. What a strange situation, he thought. He didn't know why it felt so strange, but it did. Something was tickling his consciousness, and it wouldn't quiet down. There was just something not right about this drowning, and Charlie had to figure out what it was. He closed the door behind him, walked through the front office, and left the station for the day. He was ready to put it all behind him, at least for the day. He got into his car, drove to the tavern, almost as if on autopilot. Tune in next time as we continue 21 Steps.